my message will be those whom I love. Where do we get that from? Now, we've all been to, uh, we are still in February, aren't we? Yes. yes. And you all receive Valentine cards at some point. Yes. Or not. Or not. Or, <laughs> or you probably wrote one yourself to somebody. Yeah. And my guess would be, when you write a Valentine card, what you put in there will be normally nice and warm and just loving, isn't it? Very romantic. When I was a teenage boy in Ghana, if a Ghanaian teenager wrote a letter, a romantic letter, they always say to the girl, oh, without you, it's like Africa without Madagascar or something. (laughs) (laughs) If you check the geography... The African map is there, then Madagascar is attached. <laughs> so if I don't have you, it's like Africa without Madagascar. You write all these things, of course, you are insane as a teenager. You don't even know what you are talking about. But um, these things do happen. Yeah, it's crazy. My point is, you write this cards, you don't even know the girls. You're in boys' boarding school, and the girls' school is somewhere, and you sit on... You mount the wall, just look at the girl's crew. It's, it's madness, isn't it? Teenage boys, am I correct? Yeah. You don't do those things. I was a sinner as a teenager. And, uh, but you write those things. Now, Jesus was writing a letter of love to the church in Laodicea. And I want us to read it. In Revelation 3, 14 to 22. It's on the screen if you want to have a look. To the angel of the church in Laodicea writes, These are the words of the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the ruler of God's creation. I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either one or the other. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I'm about to speak to you out of my mouth. You say I am rich. I have acquired wealth. And do not need a thing. But you do not realize. That you are wretched. Pitiful. Poor. Blind. And naked. I counsel you to buy from me. Gold refined. In the fire. So that you can become rich. And white clothes to wear so that you can cover your shameful nakedness. And salve to put on your eyes so that you can see. Those whom I love. Those whom I love. I rebuke and discipline. So be honest and repent. Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door... I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. To the one who is victorious, I will give the right to sit with me on my throne, just as I was victorious and sat down with my father on his throne. Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Amen. Amen. Imagine you receive a Valentine card. To the one I love. That's what is written at the back. And you think, wow, what is this saying? 
and we open and he says you are wretched pitiful poor blind and naked <laughs> would you want to go on date with that person <coughs> certainly not certainly not but he says that to those whom I love to those whom I love this is the message you want to hear those whom I love now the chilling thing is um, we went to this trip and the nation as a whole would you describe this as a Christian nation or a Muslim nation okay and so the message to those churches applies to us and we need to be very careful to those whom I love Laodicea is as I said I studied it was my favorite subject and um, yeah you can see there so that Jesus writes to Ephesus then to Smyrna he's going round clockwise Pergamum, Theatera, Sardis, Philadelphia and finishes in Laodicea okay and so that's the geography Izmir where we were used to be Smyrna so actually we were staying in Smyrna where we went on the trip but we visited all these places plus Heripolis so the next one perhaps I can point it from here can you see Laodicea mm-hmm. lies between Heripolis and Colise that's an important fact to bear in mind as we go through this because um, Laodicea Heripolis I don't have photograph I do have photograph on my phone Heripolis has spring water and you are sitting in water that is hot. And Colossae, down the road, has very refreshing water. Okay, So we'll come to that. So when Jesus said, you are not hot. And you are not cold. You sit in the middle. You are lukewarm. We'll come to that in a moment. But Jesus is making a point. Okay, He's using the geography to send a message to the church. The city of Laodicea was founded by um, Antiochus II. And um, it's, this is 2,000 years later when we went there. Look at how beautiful it is. Okay, these are the excavation. Okay, it was such a beautiful city. This is, I think, that's Chris Broom walking there. That is Jackie probably there. Okay, but these are the disciples. We're walking on this trip. It's such a beautiful city. And he named it after his wife Laodis. So, in that time, it was seen as the Paris of our world. Romantic. When you mention Laodicea, people thought of, oh, let's go there because it's the city of love. Okay, it fits Valentine perfectly. And therefore, Jesus said to those whom I love, because it was known to be the city of love. Okay, Jesus is just getting to the heart of this uh, community that's Jackie in one of the this is all of us there and uh, I want to talk about this baptistry for a moment one of the churches oh by the way there were 19 churches in Laodicea they were so rich every billionaire will build a church in his house Okay. <laughs> and if you are poor you don't cross to come and eat with them which is quite interesting we'll talk about relationships within the body but this was a, a communal church and there were two entrances. The disciples entered through the right entrance 
and the non-disciples entered through the left entrance and at the end of the left entrance is the baptistry. If you repent and get baptized, then you cross over to join the disciples for communion. But that was their practice. Okay, so that is the baptistry we see in Laodicea. And um, so, the church in Laodicea, just to go through the facts again, Yeah, one of the seven churches named after Laodis, it was a very wealthy city. In the time of the Roman Empire, it was considered the wealthiest in the Phrygia region. Okay, Tacitus, the historian, tells us that after a serious earthquake, the city was rebuilt from its own wealth and refused the financial assistance from the Roman Empire. Okay, imagine an earthquake in the whole of Birmingham, and the Birmingham council says to Westminster we don't need money we are rich enough to build our city back and that's what they did they were so rich Okay, it was the established banking industry it was Cicero or Proconsul of Sicilia right? it was the center of financial and banking operations think of Canary Ward the city of London Okay, all combined this was established in Laodicea Okay, so when Jesus said, you think, you say to yourself, we are rich and we don't need a thing. He knows exactly what he's saying to the church. Okay, yeah, textile industry, struggle rice, the surrounding countryside produced excellent sheep. And the Laodicean derived splendid revenue from the soft, raving black wool of their flocks used in their textile industry. They were known, and indeed we visited um, um um, a leather factory. Wow. And they went and they gave us wine and they said, oh, you have 70% discount. So I saw this leather, I thought my daughters would like this. So I picked one and guess how much the price was? $3,500. Even if you give me 70% discount, I'm not going to buy that. Okay. But this is 2,000 years later. So they had the original industry. Black wool. Leather. So Jesus said, buy what? White linen. He's sending them a message. They were boasting in their black hole industry. Okay? Their medical school. It was renowned ophthalmologist Demosthenes. He wrote the ancient book, antiquity book on eye treatment. He had his practice in, um, in Laodicea. Okay, and as I said, it was sitting between Heropolis and Colossae. Colossae was known for its cold, pure, refreshing waters. Heropolis, on the other side, was known for the hot spring medicinal waters. Okay, so with that in mind, I just wanted you to get a background of what Jesus was trying to send to the churches. Okay, get a background. And then, now, we'll go into the message of the message to the Laodicean, to those whom I love. So, Jesus says to the angel of the church in Laodicea, he writes, These are the words of the Amen. These are the words of the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the ruler of God's creation. John Exalt Christ. I mean, Amen was the title of God. Mm-hmm. 
in the Old Testament. And that exact description he gives to Jesus at this point. Amen? Faithful and true witness. His words are true. They are valid. Amen was sure and valid. Amen? Amen. And it wasn't fake news. Amen? Amen. (laughs) It wasn't your gossip column news. It wasn't your novel. It wasn't a trivial story. It wasn't something you receive on your app every day. This is the words of Jesus Christ. Mm. It needs to be taken seriously. It needs to be taken seriously. And I think as Christians, sometimes we can be trivial with God's word. Mm. We can be trivial with God's word. We can show contempt for the grace of God. We need to take things seriously. These are the words of the Amen. The true witness. The faithful witness. God's word is important. God's word is important. And he says, I know your deeds. You see, whatever thought may go through my mind and my heart and the motives behind them, Jesus knows them. Jesus knows when I gave a cup of water to the poor lady. Jesus knows when I was bitter towards my brother or my sister. Jesus knows everything. Jesus knows the pain you've been through even to sit here today to worship with your brothers and sisters. He sees everything. He knows our hearts. He discerns our behavior, our deepest thoughts and motives. He sees the most hidden secrets. The most hidden secrets, Jesus knows. Your worries and your anxieties, your financial pain, he's aware. There's a solution. Amen. Every word you uttered, he's aware. He knows our deeds. Amen. And he says to them, you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either one or the other. And this thing brings all sort of um, comments. Neither, I mean, Jesus would rather I'm cold rather than lukewarm. What does that mean? He said you are neither hot nor cold. I wish you were one or the other. But you are lukewarm. So, as I said, we can take the local context. Heripolis is hot. It's got medicinal waters. Colossae is cold. It's refreshing. Amen. Which one would we be? Which one would we be? Heripolis. Medicinal. Providing healing for the spiritually sick. And that's what they did. Colossae, cold water, and it was refreshment for the spiritually weary. Think about your life. Do you provide medicine for the spiritually sick? Would you go and help the spiritually sick to come to God? And we are here as spiritually weary, one way or the other. Do you encourage your brothers and sisters? Or you are completely, I don't care. Yeah. That is lukewarmness. That is lukewarmness. We can all do something. I always share this. Before I came into the ministry, and when I was called, oh, by the way, one of my weaknesses, the first one is flying. Or one of it is flying. My second weakness is, I never wanted a position of leadership in the church. I always run away from it. 
is quite interesting. I was sharing with Mike how I got baptized in 87. I was a very coward person. To talk to a stranger was so difficult for me. And so I'll come to evangelism with the students and I'll watch them evangelize and they go home. And then I'll walk out quietly to a lonely place where I won't be embarrassed, where nobody will see me and I'll share my faith with one or two people. And I remember one day this big bloke is walking towards me and I'm thinking, oh my goodness, I'm dead. He's going to mug me. <laughs> so as a defensive mechanism, I said, look, I'm a Christian. Would you want to study the Bible? He said, yes. I was so shocked. <laughs> I said, really? <laughs> I said, really? He said, yeah. Oh, okay. What do I do next? <laughs> I didn't know what to say. So um, I... Um, I said, okay, let's meet and study the Bible. I met this girl for a period of six weeks studying the Bible. I've just been baptized. I have my notes that was given to me. After every study, they gave me a sheet of paper with the notes written by somebody. And I'll go and refer to those notes and go and sit with this guy. And after six weeks, he said, oh, so when do I get baptized? I said, oh, you need to come to church first. <laughs> I didn't even invite him to church. I'll meet him one time and study the Bible. So, he came to Midway, Tuesday meet in Kentish Town, I remember very well. And Douglas Jacobi has finished the class, and I saw this guy wants to get baptized, and Douglas looks at me, and John Lewis looks at me, and Mark Templer looks at me, and I said, okay, let's go to the McDonald's then. So, we walked to the McDonald's, and um, they said, the guy is ready. I said, what does that mean? They said, he needs to get baptized. <laughs> So the Thursday evening he got baptized and I said, so who is going to disciple him? DJ said, DJ said, you are going to. I said, no, no, I don't know what to do. He said, you do great, bro. We'll support you. So that's what happened. Then I was going somewhere and I remember my temple. I said, oh, we have some meeting. You need to, we want you to come to. I said, what is that? I said, assistant leaders meeting. I said, I'm not interested. And I had no concept of whatever structure there were. I'm a Christian and you share your faith. And you study the Bible with people. Okay. Time goes on, and I wasn't even in the leadership team in Southside, which, as I said, I avoid these things sometimes. Mm-hmm. Corey phoned me. Corey, stop. So, oh, we want to have dinner with you and your wife? I said to Jack, oh, really? They want us in the leadership. We're going to say no, Dad. <laughs> <laughs> so, we went for this dinner with Corey, and he said, oh, bro, we've been watching your life would like you to be in the ministry. I said, no. I said, no. For a whole year, no. Okay? And I was praying, why did I say no? And I came to the conclusion, I have become very materialistic. I'm head of finance of a big organization. I'm a fellow of the institute. I'm a trustee for three organizations. I'm a governor for two schools. I walk in everywhere. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. I have my routine. The days for my holidays are set. <laughs> okay. I've calculated my pension. Okay. You see what I'm saying? I can do my job in my sleep. I can do my balance sheet and PL account and cash flow statement on all the audits. I have mastered it that well. Life is good. <laughs> and I thought. I remember when I started to become a disciple, mm. and the question was asked, 
would you be willing to go anywhere, give up anything for God? And I said, yes, Jesus is my Lord. Okay. And time goes by, and we don't want to give anymore. We don't want to give anymore. Lukewarm. Hostility towards Christ. And we go on and we we see the causes of lukewarm. You become self-centered. What did they say? I am. I am rich. I am. That's interesting. I am. Life becomes about you. I am. Now, who is the true I am? Exactly. I'm the bread of life. That was Jesus, isn't it? I'm the light of the world. I'm the gate for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I am the resurrection and life. I'm the way, the truth, and life. I am. That is Jesus. And we, therefore, dethrone Jesus and we sit on the throne. And we think that's our life. I tell you, if your life is about yourself in the kingdom, vying for position and titles, you are in danger. You are in danger. Is Jesus still the Lord of your life? Is Jesus still on the throne? Or you've dethroned Jesus? Wow. Now, if you are studying the Bible to become a Christian, let me tell you, Jesus will be the Lord of your life. Okay, it is important. We become self-satisfied. You say, I do not need anything. I have acquired wealth and do not need anything. We become self-satisfied, self-centered. You have morphed into the culture. The influence of affluence, as they say. Chase the same dream as the world. I don't need anything. Who are you to tell me what to do? Do you know who I am? <laughs> don't tell me what to do. We don't get any input. Discipline becomes a very dirty word in this environment, isn't it? The one another relationship, unmodish one another, teach one another. Oh no, who are you to talk to me? We don't even pray anymore. We know what to do. We don't need God. I don't need anything. Wow. I tell you, if you go a day without prayer, I'm concerned for you. It tells me you don't rely on God. Now, Satan will deceive you to think you don't need God. This is not about statistics and have your quiet time and this or that. Okay, I'm just saying, do you rely on God? Do you even wake up and say, thank you God for my health? Do you rely on God? Thursday, something interesting happened to me, talking about eye treatment. I have glaucoma, and once a year, I have my pressure checked. Then I got a letter, and my appointment was Thursday. So I go to this appointment, and um, you know they give you the drops if you have this condition. It's a stingy thing. Then you sit for half an hour. Then you go in, and they do what they need to do. This time, half an hour later after this stinging thing, I went in and they said, oh, who is picking you up? I said, no, no. I don't need anybody to pick me up. I, I do this every year. I check the thing and they said, do you have dark glasses? I said, nobody's ever asked me that question. They said, did you not receive the letter? So I gave the letter they sent to me. And the guy said, oh, interesting. Okay, we didn't inform you enough. In that case, you may go home 
Uh, let's look at the schedule. The next appointment will be four months. Come and we'll do this procedure. I said, what is a procedure? I'm here. Can we do it now? So they give me local anesthetic. They inject the thing and all that and, um, and do what they need to do. But when I finished, my eyes are open, but the world is completely black. And I thought, that's interesting. Is this what um, visually impaired people go through? You understand what I'm saying? I just couldn't see a thing. Now, people are so wonderful. As I said, I didn't expect this. I didn't tell Jackie to pick me up or she had other things with the girls. So I opened this eye. And the other thing is, it's as if somebody is putting pins in my eyes. So I have to close my eye. Then I open a little bit and see a guy said, can you walk me to the next 20 meters, please? And they hold my hand and lead me. It was wonderful. And we have conversation. I tell them I'm a Christian and all that. Then I eventually got to the bus stop. I said, which bus stop is that? Okay, to the next hay market, then home. But um, I needed God for that. Our health, we take for granted. We need God all the time. I don't need a thing. You don't need a thing. We all need something. Amen? Amen. The second, finally, your self-perception. Wow. I mean, this guy says, I'm rich. And Jesus said, no, 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 no. You are wretched. You are pitiful. You are poor. You are naked and blind. Their self-perception was so warped. How they saw themselves and how Jesus saw them was completely the opposite. Wow. You do not realize. You do not realize. And I think as Christians, if we are going to be hot for God, we need to have a a healthy dose of humility. Okay. It's always scary when husbands are told, can you ask your wife what I need to change? Wow, your wife will give you great input. <laughs> but it's good for you, amen. Yeah. Wives, ask your husband, what do you think I need to change? I know what the husbands will say mostly, but um, it's good. <laughs> I say to my daughters, how do you think that you will be a better dad? My daughters are so kind. Then they give me a hug and say, Daddy, you are great already. So it's easy to ask my daughters. (laughs) Girls, how can I be a better dad? Oh, Dad, you are wonderful. And they'll give me a kiss. And I say, hey, man, let me go and buy you ice cream. (laughs) They love your frappes. Wherever frappe came from in my life, I never heard of the word frappe. The first time my daughter said, we want frappe. I said, what is that? Okay. And it's some ice cubes crushed with milk, and that's it. And they charge you four quid for it. (laughs) I never understand. But frappe, strawberry frappe, chocolate frappe, whatever. Okay. We need to get input into our lives. We need to see how Jesus sees things, not how we see things at all. Okay. So that is the cause. What is the cure? Jesus said, I counsel you, buy from me. Amen. We need to deal with Jesus. He said, buy from me. He said, don't go anywhere else. You see, when we want to solve things, 
who want to go to other places. <coughs> some people go to alcohol. Some people go to internet pornography. Some people violence, anger. No, Jesus said, no, 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 no. Don't do that. Come to me. I'm the sole supplier here. Don't go anywhere else. Buy from me. Buy from me. Okay, deal with Jesus. He said, come for gold, refining fire. He's talking about our faith. We need to be in the gospel and see the faith of Christ. Amen. Mm-hmm. We need to be able to deny ourselves, take up our cross daily, and follow Christ again. Mm-hmm. Okay, he said, come to me. The white clothes. The white clothes. <laughs> Buy white clothes from me. It's about purity, isn't it? Romans 13 says something like, Let us behave decently. Not in carousing and drunkenness. Not in sexual immorality and debauchery. Not in dissensions and jealousy. Rather, clothe yourself with the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. That's what we need. We need a white clothes. We need Christ. We need purity. We need purity. What I realized in my life is uh, as a young person, I used to be highly immoral. And even as a disciple, be impure. Masturbation, lust. Over the years, you train yourself to be godly. Amen. And it's a good thing. Amen. Yes. I've never seen internet pornography once in my life. And I'm not saying that as a boast. But I do know that young see these things. How do I help them? You see, I cannot relate to them. But I'm still lustful. I need to be open with my thoughts and my temptations. I may not act on my temptations, but the temptations will be there. And we need to help our young people to fight the fight. They need to know our weaknesses as young Christians and how we fought through. I remember before I studied the Bible, it's funny, actually it was three weeks before I studied the Bible. I used to masturbate all the time, and I remember going to my GP, and I was concerned. And I said to my GP, this is what I do, is it correct? He said, oh, you're a young man, that's perfectly fine. And three weeks later, I studied sin, and realized from the Bible, no, 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 God doesn't, you understand what I'm saying? It's a game where the world says you are okay, and Jesus' standards are so different. Yeah, right. And I had some biblical conviction to fight impurity. It was great when you have the Bible in you to fight sin. I share with my daughters, I said the first time daddy broke um, his virginity, it was uh, a girl said to me, if you don't sleep with me, again in the context of boarding school, I'm going to say to all your friends, you are weak. Now the term weak in our language was man, you are soft, you are you are not a man. So I went ahead and slept with this girl as a teenager. Then I read the Bible and looked at the life of Joseph. Yeah. And Potiphar's wife wanted to sleep with Joseph. What did he do? He ran away. Mm-hmm. Now imagine if I had that scripture in my mind somewhere. Yeah. That temptation will not happen. Yeah. I'll open the scriptures and say, You are Potiphar's wife. Yeah. Get away from me. <laughs> I had no basis to fight this thing I was offered. Yeah. And that's why 
families, the devotionals we do will arm our children when Satan strikes. You are doing a great job if you are doing devotional. But we need that purity in our lives. And even today, if we are tempted, brothers, we need to be able to talk about it. If we claim to be without sin, we may have got to be a liar. We sin every day and we need to be open. Amen? Amen. We need the white clothes of purity. We need a salve, the ointment. Okay? So come to me for that. We need a clear vision. On Thursday, I couldn't see a thing. I was walking in darkness. Jesus said, I'm the light. If you come to me, you will never walk in darkness. We need a clear vision as to where we are going. Okay? There is much to be done in the churches. I pray, young men, look at the state of our church in the UK. The Ugolinis are in Glasgow. Soon their visa will run out. They will have to leave. The overstreets are in Edinburgh. Soon their visa may run out and they will have to leave. Yeah, the right. butterflies are in um, Dublin. Do you understand what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Of course, you have forest here. We cannot depend on the Americans. I'm not against the Americans. Mm-hmm. But the Brits ought to rise up to lead. Amen. We need a clear vision. The young men in this room that's right. yeah. our future. Right. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yes. But we need to come to Christ yeah. and get a clear vision. As to where we go. Then, so we need to deal with Jesus. We also need to dine with Jesus. He says, here I am. I'm knocking on the door. Okay? I want to come in and eat with you. Now, I do know from what I learned from my wife that if we invite something, somebody for dinner, my wife will spend the whole day cleaning the house. <laughs> and uh, it's funny. Mike spent Thursday night with us. And um, I said, I said, darling, when I went to spend that night over there, the sister had spent the whole day cleaning the bedroom. I didn't even want to sleep in the bedroom. I'm just passing through. I just wanted a little piece in the living room to sleep. I'm getting up early. The brother was telling me the wife spent the whole day cleaning the house just because I was spending the night. And Mike was coming. Jack was doing this. I said, I really don't think Mike will want to sleep in the bedroom, okay? I'm sure Mike would just want the sofa somewhere. And that's exactly what happened. <clears throat> Spend the whole day cleaning the bedroom, me doing the duvets and all that. <laughs> <laughs> Mike gets there and says, No, 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 I'm not sleeping in your bedroom. No, no, you go and have the bed. <clears throat> wow, I can't do that. I just want the sofa. Now, when Jesus comes for dinner, yeah. he doesn't expect you to clean up. He said, I'm coming. I'll do all the cleaning up. I just want to eat with you. Just let me in. Jesus doesn't want to impose anything on us. But I said, I'm knocking. Do you hear my voice? I always say this. If you're in Ghana, you, in England, everybody has got doorbell. The compound I lived in, you couldn't have doorbell. We didn't even have electricity huge compound and when people are coming in they thump on the thing boom 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 hi it's Keith anybody in there let me in you see what I'm saying yeah. <coughs> so you hear Keith's voice and he said oh it's Keith 
Oh, he's coming to eat all the food. Tell him we are not here. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? You knock and hello, anybody in, and they know your voice. And based on that voice, they will decide whether to let you in or not. <laughs> oh, it's Martin. Oh, Martin. Martin is coming to collect money again. Let's not let's, 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 let's. And indeed, when Jesus knows, we do hear the voice. And we think, hmm, I don't want Jesus in today. Wow. Wow. He said, look, I just want to come in and eat with you. We need to let Jesus in. Amen. Amen. We need to let Jesus in. And the other thing that used to baffle me is, he says to them, uh, come and buy from me. You just told them they are poor Wretched, blind, naked. They have no money to buy. How could they buy something from you? You've just told them they are poor. But I see Isaiah tells us, Come, all you who are thirsty, come to the waters. And you who have no money, come, buy and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money and without cost. So when Jesus calls us, He's not asking for our money. He's asking for our hearts. We buy from Jesus with our hearts. Not with our money. It's with our cost. Isaiah 55 verse 1 and 2. That's how we attend to Jesus. Finally, the promise. To the one who is victorious. I'll give the right to sit with me on my throne just as I was victorious and sat down with my father on his throne. Amen. Amen. The last slide I deleted. The last slide gave an option of vomit or sitting on the throne on Jesus. Now, I knew you were all going to have lunch. So I didn't want to show you an image of vomit. But if you wanted the choice of should I be a vomit or should I sit on the throne with Christ, which one would you choose? If we overcome, we'll sit on the throne with Christ. But Jesus said, to those whom I love, to those whom I love, I want you to sit on the throne with me. Brothers and sisters, Satan will want to destroy us. He would like us to be lukewarm. We go through life. We are like the Thermometer. We adapt to our environment. Jesus wants us to be the thermostat. We set the temperature. Do you understand what I'm saying? He doesn't want us to be cold. He doesn't want us. He wants us to be hot. He doesn't want us to be lukewarm. You walk out of here and you'll be walking past people today, tomorrow. Wow. You know. A simple conversation can change somebody. Just one simple conversation. Hello, my name is Roger. Where do you live? That's how I I start. And people become Christians. Is it because of me? No. God has planned for those guys' lives. It has nothing to do with me. God is already working on their hearts. God is already working on their hearts. It has nothing to do with us. God is working. He just wants us to be hot. To bring the healing to these people. Yeah. To bring refreshment to the saints. Yeah. So brothers and sisters, Jesus said to those whom I love, 
to those whom I love. And Jesus loves you. Thank you very much.